This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 681, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code iFanboy at checkout. And iFanboy listeners like you. iFanboy Pick of the Week. This is episode 681. Those numbers are climbing. I am Josh Flanagan. And if I was in an airport right now and it was the early 90s, I would run up and I would jump at Connor and I would, he would hold me in his arms as we spun. <laughs> and I would say, I'm so happy to see you. And my sign would drop to the ground. Welcome back, Connor Kilpatrick. I'm back. Oh, you were missed. <laughs> <laughs> This is our website. Well, no, actually, that's not true anymore. This lives on our website, but we don't do much with that anymore. Uh, this is our, our podcast, iFanboy. Every week we read a stack of comics. Sometimes it's mercifully small, but also that creates its own challenges. One of us who's been away for a lot of weeks picks their favorite <laughs> book, calls that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that. We talk about some other books. We can think of them. There's a patron pick, and if we have some time, we'll mail i'm gonna guess we have time it should be a good time your spoiler warning is that there are spoilers you know what that means so if you haven't read your books yet uh it's on you now connor obviously you had the pick i did and i'm a little rusty i didn't open my my book up to talk about it here we go the pick of the week is the war of the realms number three jason aaron russell dowderman matthew wilson josephino i don't know if it's a high from you know everything going on in the culture right now with avengers but i'm like all in on the war of the realms Really? I'm loving it. I think it's a really solid event. I've, I've been reading all the tie-in books, and I've been enjoying all them. This feels like an event. And I realize that events have lost their luster. Events don't have the comic book cultural impact they once did. You know, this is not like what the book everyone's talking about at all and getting really excited when it comes out. But it feels, to me, in the process of reading it, like an event should feel. It feels big. It feels important. It feels like there's stakes. Everyone's involved. It makes sense that they're all involved. There's fun twists. In this issue, Daredevil gets the power of Heimdall, and Captain America and Spider-Man and Wolverine and Power Man and Iron Fist are on flying horses with Viking gear. Like It all feels the way I feel like an event should feel while reading it, whether or not it's it's culturally important to the comic book world or not. Mm-hmm. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it when I'm reading it. I feel it when I'm reading the tie-ins. I feel like this is a really fun, big deal. And, and Jason Aaron is the right guy to be writing this kind of thing you know it's taking place in this world he's built up over the last however many years in in the thor world with all the all the different realms and characters and obviously the avengers are front and center but there's lots of great side characters here that he's written before in other books or hasn't written before and it's it it feels big and fun and that was what i felt while reading this issue and the the tie-in issue we're going to talk about next it's it's silly in a way but it's it's also Mm -hmm. really it just feels bombastic and we've often talked about how jason aaron's really good at that tone and yeah it works here for me i gotta say i'm a li- i was a little surprised partially because you haven't really read all of jason's you know thor stuff mm-hmm. you skipped a big chunk in the middle and you weren't really bullish on it some mm-hmm. of it you liked some of it not so much i enjoy this and i think that you're right about what you're saying and, and it might have even thrown me for a loop as i was reading it because it feels sort of disjointed not necessarily in a bad way although some of the stuff that happened in this had happened in tie-ins either a week or maybe two weeks prior 
uh, Daredevil, like there was a sh- whatever that one was. I don't know if we had to read it as a patron pick or not, but there was one where there was three short stories in it, and, and Jason Aaron wrote the first one, and that was Daredevil having the the sight of Heimdall, and then two weeks later, like it happened in this, and I was like, that's weird. So that scheduling was kind of a bit strange. I do like how we're hopping around to everything. I think it's kind of weird to me though because this was a Thor story, mm-hmm. and very quickly it became an everybody story, and I kind of. Like, I kind of felt like I wanted to hang out in the Thor story for a bit. But it makes sense to do it like they're doing. If all the, if all the you know, gods and dark elves invade Earth, then, you know, that's what would happen. Yeah, and you can do that in the comics in a way you can't do it in a, in a film or TV yeah. show where you can have everyone show up. Well, up until recently. Yeah, I think it's very much still a Thor story. Yeah. In this issue, Cap and Spider-Man and Power Man, Iron Fist and Wolverine are going to go find Thor in Jotunheim. And uh, that's the big thrust of this issue and i like that we are touching on what other characters are doing but we're not focused on it so it feels like there's a whole world going on and if you want then there are other books that will take you down those paths mm-hmm. but you know i like seeing you know while all of the heroes are off in the world that the fantastic four are defending new york where the invasion's happening just you only mm-hmm. need one page of that you only need one page of or one panel of namor and in, in you know underwater fighting these guys are you know, just just to get a taste that oh there are lots of things happening here, yeah. And the War Avengers in London, and you know, that to me is great because in the meantime you have this main thrust, which is where's Thor? We need we need Thor, and because he's been trapped, the Rainbow Bridge has been destroyed, so he can't leave you in time. They find a way to get to him, and and the last page, which is the reveal of Thor on Jotunheim, he's all fucked up. Yeah. And uh, that was a great reveal. He killed a lot of frost giants. Prior a lot. Did that happen in this story? It happened somewhere. I read it. But his his arm is gone. You know, his metal arm, his, his hammer's another. I love that and, the hammer's smashed. I just noticed that. Yeah, it, it's... And he's all covered in blood. His blood, their blood. So, yeah. it... I mean, Thor's obviously clearly the linchpin of this, of this business. Yep. But it's fun to see everyone else. You know, it's funny to see Spider-Man wearing a Viking helmet. helmet. And it's, What's funny is that this Spider-Man is drawn like... Uh, like Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. He's a little, his body shape and everything. A and so smaller. After, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, that's not Peter Parker. Because Peter Parker is usually drawn bigger. It's not really a complaint. Just thing I, I like that because I like him smaller and younger than the rest of the characters. Yeah. They're fun to be around. You know, it's a good. that's a good group. Captain America's got a sweet jacket that someone took the time to brand for him. That means it is actually very cold because he's normally just fine. Yeah. And he's got an yeah. axe. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's as big as and bombastic as... As you'd want it to be. Yep. No, and, you're right. You're and right. It touches on all the corners, and everyone gets a little moment. Malekith is fun, as, and as I showed on Instagram, he's got the ebony blade, which is one of my favorite Marvel weapons. Mm-hmm. Every time you see Black Knight these days, he's just getting beat up. He's in, he's in there briefly to get beat up. I don't think I don't think anybody really remembers him because I, I can't remember anything he's done that was significant since he was on the Avengers. Since the Roger Stern era, decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> He was, you know, as kids, he was one of the main Avengers in, yeah, that, no, in that late 80s era. So for me, he's one of my favorite characters who only shows up in these events to show how bad the villain is because he's sprawled on the floor somewhere. Mm-hmm. But at least he's there. <laughs> at least they remember to bring him in. I love Thor's mom, Freya. Freya. She's been, yeah, she's been she's front been, and center on She and her giant bouffant haircut have been great. It keeps getting bigger and sillier, which I'm fine with. Much like She-Hulk. She-Hulk keeps getting bigger and sillier, which I'm also cool with. 
But you also, I mean, I also really like the scenes with Heimdall and Daredevil as as Daredevil takes mm-hmm. on Heimdall's power, and they're they're you know it's, it's an odd, cool pairing. You know, Daredevil has the now he has instead of having the sight, he has the hearing of Heimdall. He can hear everything, and yeah. which is a lot to hear. But uh, I, I just think this is really fun. I, I'm having a blast. I think well, you know, partially being gone the last couple of weeks, I I read a bunch of the War of the Realm stuff in sort of a big chunk, and it's just I feel like. It's just, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I like that. I liked it. That is how you, you took this in and found the enjoyment in it. I think yeah. that's exactly the right thing to be happening. And I had a lot of fun watching the movie. So this is sort of a sure. halo effect of another big Avenger story happening that is also fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're formidable bad guys. These uh, dark elves and yes. all the other frost giants. and It feels like a legitimate threat. Way more than like you know, the Hydra did taking over the world in the other yeah. one. This is like, I feel these, like. these guys toe to toe can go, can match these heroes. And, and, uh, you get, so you get big brutal fights and Dodderman is really good. Every once in a while, there's a, there's a dodgy panel, but you know, I think it's, it's usually on characters that he's not used to drawing yeah, for sure. Like he's, you know, he's been, he's been aces on Thor, yeah. you know, pretty much all the way through, but there's a couple bits where you're like, Oh, that, you know, it's just, I don't think he's he's been doing those. Like, the, like there's Captain America. There's a, like, there, a couple of Daredevil. smooth. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just, you know, much like a singer, he's got to find his voice with the characters. You know, you have, yeah. you, just because you, you can draw doesn't mean you can draw everything at the drop of a hat. you got to figure out how you're going to do it and what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, some things are a little bit... I, look at the panel on page five, Daredevil. Stay next to Heimdall. Daredevil's a little bit unremarkable. But it's okay. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of things to do, and Heimdall looks great. So cause clearly, he's been drawing Heimdall yeah. a lot. Yeah, no, his Asgardian is is without is above reproach, I think. But some of the other stuff, he's he's not sort of worked his way into. I saw that too. So it's funny because you know there was a time when we first started doing our fanboy, where the, every time an event book came out, it sort of rattled the foundations of the community for good or for ill. You know, people <laughs> either went berserk for it or berserk in in a negative way. But now events sort of come out, and they just sort of happened and people like them or don't like them but it's not really a big deal <laughs> but it's too bad because i think war of the realms is actually really well done so far we're halfway i guess halfway through in terms of the issues numbers but there's a lot of tie-ins i also like that they're coming out fast and furious like yeah. like i i know i complain about that with sort of the regular series books but with something like this especially because this the build-up to the story has been going on for literally years like okay it's here let's let's do this so like having one come out every week has has been i think satisfying there's a lot. There's a page in the back, you know, of all the May times, and there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But I'm only reading the ones, the issues that tie. I'm only reading the issues that I'm already reading. So like, I'm not going to read Venom or or Asgardians of the Galaxy. Right. Or, yeah. But I'm but I am reading the special tie-ins. Like like this week we had the War of the Realm Strike Force, the Dark uh-huh. Elf Realm, written by Brian Edward Hill, which was a nice surprise, mm-hmm. with art by Neil Francis Yu. I really like that one too, which was a very unusual sort of a smaller story of the Punisher. The, the strike force are leading into the dark elf realm, the Punisher and and She Hulk and Ghost Rider and Blade and Freya. Not you know these aren't necessarily characters I'm in love with normally, but uh-huh. it was an interesting story. Again, you know Captain America needs a darker team, so he he's get Frank Castle and they they do. It's it's a it's a very self aware and introspective Frank Castle. There's a lot this of Frank the only Castles. Thing that came up. It, yeah, there are, and and I'm I'm fine with that. I thought it was really well done. It was really entertaining, but I was like, this isn't Frank Castle. And then I thought, oh, who cares? 
it's it's the Frank Castle that appears in the group stories. It's not the Frank Castle you get in his own book, and it's not cosmic Frank Castle, the cowboy castle, Frank Castle. It's, it's, well, I mean, no one's that. <laughs> it's That's just not Frank Castle. Frank Castle is whatever you need him to be. But uh, uh, use Frank Castle looks great. Yeah, he does. Use She-Hulk, on the other hand, looks like a scroll. But that's because if any green characters are drawn by him, they're going to look like scrolls. That's true. That's I didn't notice that, but now that you say it, it is totally true. Oh yeah, no, you can't not see it. I don't ever want to see him draw a close-up of an eye again. <laughs> and that was how many years ago? It was forever ago. But he did something. Two thousand eight or nine. What did he just? Was he on Captain America when when uh, Tanisi Coates took over? Yes, I think he, I think that's beginning. what he did for. A while. There was one of those issues at the beginning where he did a close-up on eye and an eye, and it had that 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 pink area that's next to the the white part, which uh-huh. I can't think of words anymore. And I just thought, no, 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 because <laughs> I remember like that was that was the linchpin of one of the Secret Wars issues, wasn't it? Was and it like they had done an extreme close-up on one of the eye, and at the end it was like, what the hell is that supposed to mean? Right. <laughs> and I think it was that it was green, so it was, and it was was that Jessica Jones' baby? I think. Yes, that was the sort of cliff. That was one of the dangling threads. Yeah. yeah. But it was not good. Anyway, sorry, that's that's a little... So in this issue, this team, this strike force, needs to have a mental test to make sure they can do the mission so they all get sent to fight their greatest fears or whatever this, this thing is. And I thought, this seems like a waste of time in the middle of a giant battle. I did think that. But, you know, I kind of like seeing Blade fight old Blade. <laughs> with the bushy mustache like that was yeah. kind of fun and i guess if you're saying it takes place like instantaneously in their heads then it's not a waste of time but i was like do we have time for this sort of uh exercise in the middle of a giant war like they can't lose it's important that they don't lose but again i for some for, for whatever reason i'm just digging the texture of the story so i was like sure this was fun yeah. i like it do you think they just stick like an egg in freya's head and then wrap the hair around it it's like a dragon egg yeah or she has Sorry. really great like hairspray. Yeah, I can't get over it. You think it's crunchy? It. No, because it's gonna it's it's Asgardian like like you know oils and Asgardian berry spray. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I, yeah, I'm totally in. War of the Realms number three was great. I really enjoyed War of the Realms Strike Force, the Dark Elf Realm, as ridiculous as that title is. I'm in. I'm in. Throw, give me all the War of the Realms books I can handle. Which I'm at that. I'm at, I'm on that happy place right now. Now we're only about. Entering sort of the halfway point, it could turn. Uh-huh. Anything could happen. But for right sure. now, I'm I'm just happy to when I see a book that I'm excited to read, and that's what the War of the Realms books are so far. Mm-hmm. Good job, Jason Aaron, and everyone else, Brian Edward Hill. So uh, you, uh, while you were gone, I did a show by myself. Mm-hmm. I did two, actually, but one I of heard. them is not worth talking about again. I didn't hear the Pick of the Week one yet. Okay. Well, the, the point being, uh, what you have next are two issues – uh, one of which containing three whole stories that I did not read. So I'll be back when you're done. Did you drop Young Justice? I, I think I don't think of reading it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, maybe I should. Like I, I looked at it and I went, "Am I been reading that?" And I was like, "I don't remember a damn thing about it." So I didn't read it. So the reason why it's in the rundown is that we're wrap, we're coming to the end of the Gem World story, which is kicking us off, in which these original. Young Justice people plus these new characters team up and form a team. We're in part five, so next week will be the finale. Next month will be the finale. Two weeks from now, who knows? But there's a side sort of flashback in which 
Tim Drake and and uh, Stephanie Brown are making out on the hood of a car outside the Hall of Justice. <laughs> and uh, Zatanna shows up. They had called Zatanna in because Tim has been feeling this nagging feeling in the back of his head. He he feels unsettled. He feels sad. Doesn't know why. What's going on? So she does her Zatanna spell on his head to reveal the truth of why he's feeling um, unsettled. And we get a glorious, beautiful two-page spread drawn by Doc Shaner of, once again, the pre-52 continuity. Mm-hmm. All the old costumes and characters. And it's just like, I sort of shrieked when it happened because I thought we'd put this behind us. It had been Wally's thing. They kept talking about the old continuity, and that was Wally's whole. Wally was the connection. Wally was the one who'd go around saying everything was wrong, and we 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 had our lives stolen, and and then they killed Wally, or not killed. Well, they did kill Wally, but all the Wally stuff that you guys talked about last week that we don't need to get into again happened. And I thought, okay, well, that's clearly the that's, that's the bullet in the back of the head of that thing. And then here we go, a whole other book, a whole other character now is like, hey, what happened to all these people and my old costume, and why am I younger? And so now we're back. And my question is why? Why do we keep doing this? I mean, Bendis does what he wants. I, I know, but it's just like, why? Why are we, t- why just, why are we, why? Nothing seems maybe, to be- Maybe because none of them are sticking and everybody wants to take their swing at it. Like, maybe I'll be the one to fix this. Maybe. The, the, Hawk, the Hawkman paradigm. But if they're not meaning to do anything with it, like, I don't even mean return. I just mean, like, tell that story. You know, they, they never uh-huh. actually told that story, which is, what does it mean when you figure out that you have this other life and you're 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 younger now and you you know pieces are missing? Like, what does that mean? They haven't really they haven't really investigated that since DC Rebirth number one, which was how many years mm-hmm. ago? And so, didn't do it. But I don't know. I just don't know the point of constantly bringing it up as these. Like, why am I so sad? Oh, I had this other life that I I, did, I got taken from me. Okay, well then yeah. tell that story or don't, but don't keep teasing us. It's not it's not a tease at this point because a tease would indicate something you want, and I just want them to drive right past that little. I mean, obviously I want I obviously I want that back, but like it, it's obviously not happening. So like, stop twisting the knife, and that's in my my heart. Mm-hmm. Just let let the wound fester until I die. Which Jeez. I think is, I think is the definition of being a comic book reader. But it, I mean, they just don't. I mean, the book is really good. It just that was like I was like, oh, now we're doing it here. <sighs> so <laughs> that was basically what I said to myself on the couch. So you didn't really convince me that I should read it. The book is really good. It's Bendis doing these young heroes, and it's yeah, it's the only, it's the only team book I think he's doing. Uh, yeah. As we know, he's very good with teams, and so uh, it's a lot of fun. The characters are all fun. Maybe come back after the first arc. Maybe okay. come back for seven. Maybe they'll get this Wally thing sorted out, and I won't have to worry about it anymore. That's the ticket. They'll so, get it. So you didn't read DC's Year of the Villain 25 Cent Special then? No. Okay. Well, you didn't really miss much. I, this is the 25 cents if you're buying in the store or free if you're in Comixology issue that's teasing the upcoming stories that are villain-based, and it, there's a Doom story, which is the Justice League and... Uh, and Lex Luthor, and then there's the Leviathan story from Bendis and Malib, which was actually really cool and good looking. And then there was a another Justice League story with Tinian and Manipole, and 
I just uh, I don't I don't know I don't know what's going on. It's a good, I mean it's a good art lineup. It's a great art lineup. Jim Chung does the first story with Snyder about Lex Luthor sort of taking over the White House and the Legion of Doom's in charge and he's apparently the one who's been instigating Bane to fuck up Batman's life over in Batman. They're, basically, what they're I trying to like do it. is they're trying to tie up everything that's happening in the DCU. You know, all these you know, all these disparate books. Yeah, but then somebody else will do it and something else, and it'll all be forgotten. Yeah. Doing that doesn't work if it isn't memorable and everybody doesn't get on board. That's, I mean, that's kind of what you're getting at with the other thing. Right. And I'm not, I don't know. I think that's part of, like, uh, I'm not reading, what's the book where Lex Luthor, where's the Legion of Doom? Which, which one is that? Is that League. Justice League? Yeah. Like, are you buying that? Yeah. I'm not I don't reading mean, it. Literally buying oh. it. I mean, <laughs> Like as a concept, is that no? I, I don't like, like it. I don't. Right. I don't like S- Scott Snyder's done. His, he's taken a turn in his style since Batman that doesn't appeal to me as much. These sort of angry, grindhousey, bombastic tone. Source wall. Source wall. I mean, it, it's sort of his Batman stories. In, in, with steroids, right? Because Batman stories were all about secret meanings and underpinnings and societies, and it worked. It worked for the most part as a small Batman story in Gotham. Mm-hmm. But like, if you do it through the, the universe writ large, it doesn't really have the same appeal. It's a lot of gobbledygook about gods and forges and energies and secret. That's where the whole stupid Sage Force, Strong Force, and Steel Force came from. And it's just yeah. It, it it doesn't it's not adding anything to the and it's very self serious yes like it, there's not a I mean like it okay say that when Grant Morrison does it it's there, there is an aspect of tongue in cheek I want to oh, say sure. or at least it's like serious you know, like, but it's also like silver agey so it's I recognize it's also silly. That this is silly but yeah. we're gonna take it super serious but yes I know and that's what I'm not getting out of those other things and and all the like I just I I'm I really like. Just tell a story. Like, mm-hmm. just tell me a story. Don't, don't, don't try to explain the world. Just tell me a story. Yeah. Uh, well, I would say that what's what's worth checking out is the the middle story, the Mendes story, which is Green Arrow and Batgirl teaming up and Strong Bomb leave. Nice. They're fighting Merlin, who is trying to get the fuck out because he's afraid of Leviathan, and he's like, Leviathan. He keeps telling him, Leviathan's coming. We got to get out of here. And and then <laughs> Leviathan comes, and then there's a little sort of coda where. Damien is telling Bruce he thinks that Jason Todd is Leviathan, but that's probably not true. I also don't like the story that where all of a sudden everybody knows about a thing that never existed before. Like, like even though Superman doesn't know about Leviathan, lots and lots of other people do. Well, this is basically this is them all discovering it. Right. Like, okay. And I'm like, wrong. Damien says that that new Leviathan threat. So clearly the word is getting out. Yeah. Um, because all the agencies are being attacked and. But this is, I think, I think DC is saying this is all connected, which is, I don't, you know, it's just not working. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and then the, I mean, the last story is all about the Batman who laughs, which, you know, we know don't, we don't yeah. like that. So, yeah. But Manipal drew it and there's some really gorgeous stuff in it. Sure. And a dumb, dumb mask. It's just not working for me, this, this, these things. Well, I mean, it's getting away from if if I was to talk to you, like what your favorite bat, you know, I know like your favorite Batman stories are one thing, and this is very different different from that. Although some of that isn't contained in the actual current Batman run, and certainly in Detective, but 
the Justice League stuff, this isn't really your your bag. No, and I really like like cosmic stories that involve like the new gods, but this is just like a lot of people talking about things that happened three million years ago and gods and the anti monitor and monitor and mm-hmm. perpetua and they they unleashed the forces and they were contained by the wall and the wall broke and it's just like there's a lot of talking about things that happened. That sounds like Game of Thrones to me, by the way. I mean, I, I guess you could say that, but I'm not saying he's ripping it off. But it, you know, like that stuff gets in the zeitgeist, and there's the wall, and like all that stuff is. It's def- there's definitely a lot of things in the pot, and one of them is a heavy dose of of Grant Morrison, which is not, which only really Grant Morrison can do. True. So that makes it tough. Totally. Oh, you know what? Can we can we just talk about the things that touch my skin? Well, let's do it. I'm even wearing some right now in anticipation of this discussion. Oh yeah, well it's it's good to plan that way. Yeah, I'm on a lot of Mac Weldon saturation. Mm. <laughs> so uh, Mac Weldon, the purveyors of fine menswear, intimates. <laughs> Does that, is that a correct term? Intimates, uh, sure, intimates. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's it's the stuff that's up against your skin the most. Uh, mission is simple. All your basics and beyond are smartly designed. Shopping for them is easy and convenient. Mac Weldon was founded because they wanted more out of the basics. Your underwear, your T-shirt, your your A-shirt. You know, always questioned how something so essential could be such a pain in the butt to buy. You know, frustration was real for these folks. So they had a eureka moment. And it was in a department store aisle full of brands that all, you know, they all everybody was in everybody's top drawer. And it was just this huge mind-numbing assortment of underwear and socks. And, you know, they didn't have consistent fit and quality. And you didn't know what you were getting. So that's where Mac Weldon comes in. By the way, I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. I have been I had been for a long time as an adult trying to search for like, well, where's the where's the magic bullet with these things that I can just get this thing and it's gonna be good every time. And I, I you know, Mac Weldon is exactly that thing. Uh, they they designed and engineered their own fabric. Uh, everything was meticulous. You can count on the fit being the same every time. It's not going to be like, well, a medium's okay in this, but not this one. It's consistent. They built a world-class customer experience. Uh, it's all sort of those details, every stitch and seam until, you know, everything is as perfect as they can get it. So, the, you know, Mack is better than whatever you're wearing right now. I Again, I have, unless you're wearing it. I'm wearing it. I know. You know, that's the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, underwears, hoodies and sweatpants and, and everything they have that, that you will ever wear. Uh, there's the silver underwear that is naturally my, antimicrobial, which means that they don't stink. Good for activity, things like that. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. Then we got we got recently we've had the addition of the pants, mm. the the ace and the radius. Yes. Which I have made ample use of. I just wore my radiuses on Tuesday. Oh, yeah? I like to wear those pants, like, when I'm going out, being active, like, to the, to the gym. I wear them to the gym. So they're, like, active wear almost. So, like, I wear them. It's a modern-day queen's pant. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for an urban man on the go. Mm-hmm. With zipper pockets. Yeah, that's the, the zipper pockets are really the key there. And I, the other day, I think two days ago, I did laundry specifically because there was, like, there was something on my ace sweatpants, and I wanted to wear them. Mm, they're very I was like, well, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to do laundry just to get these uh, on me again. And and you know what? I had thought about these, and it, it was this. So bear with me here for a moment. Guy I know posted on the Facebook said, "What's the most money you've ever spent on a pair of jeans?" Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people, men, because men very frequently, oh, I you know, thirty dollars, twenty. Mm. Like I won't spend a lot on it. You know, like men. 
generally don't buy. I'm very generalizing, but yes. you know, like most of the men, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on that kind of thing. Your normal dude is not right. really spending money on quality clothes. They're going to last. They're going to spend cheap amount of clothes from cheap clothes. They're going to they're going to fall apart pretty quick. Right. So my answer was hundred and eighty dollars <laughs> on a pair of jeans. I, I've done that. Unfortunately, that's also my answer. Right. But let me ask you this. Are those your favorite jeans? Yes. In fact, I've taken them to the jean repair place this weekend because right. I need them to keep them alive. I have found that outside of chasing labels, say that you go to you know the Macy's. They have a lot of expensive stuff that has labels on it. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about quality high-end clothes. The point is the Ace weight sweatpant is not, not super inexpensive. But I'm willing to bet – that if it's something that you can you you want to get that you can afford, try it, and I'm pretty sure you're going to be convinced. And and the same holds true for the the, the you know the the underwear. You're thinking, oh, do I do I want to spend that on underwear? You do. Like it, it is absolutely worth it. It holds up, and in its quality. And the thing is, it if you literally holds up, if you are talking about a per wear cost, yes, it's going to go down real quick. Well, that and you're going to be like, oh, right, this is something I should have been spending money on. Right. Like it just – this makes sense. It's the stuff you wear all the time. It's the most vital part of what you're wearing because it's the thing that is the most interactive with your body. Put the down the burlap. You want, yeah. And they hold up. I don't have like pills all over that stuff. It isn't right. all stretched out. I used to wear a brand of boxer shorts that you would get at a national clothing chain. Mm-hmm. But they would always stretch out, even by the end of the day, you know, where like the leg was sort of riding up. The leg holes. These don't do that. Yeah, yeah no, f- this, flapping leg holes. Uh, it's the worst, and they're bunched up on your pants and whatever. Like it's, it's just good stuff, and and uh, and I think you should check it out. So does Connor. So uh, listen, get over to MacWeldon.com. You enter the promo code iFanboy at checkout. Super easy website to use, and and that will let them know that we sent you. I wish that we weren't so passionate about this so we could get through the ad faster. 20% off your first order when you use that code. So uh, get, the, get the sweatpants, man. I, those are my weekenders. Yeah. And I'm not a sweatpant guy, but if you're going to do that. And those I'm are my curling it. up on the couch for a movie pants. Nice. Let's talk about five years, number one. The new Terry Moore series, which brings together all of his characters, as was teased at the end of Strangers in Paradise 25. My first thought is... He does not help you here at all. If you're yeah. coming in cold to this series, you have no idea what's going on. I can't imagine many people would come in cold to sure, this series but at this point. Maybe maybe just a slight reset. And I'm not complaining because I have been reading all right. I read Echo, I read Motor Girl, I read this, I read Treasure Press. So like I'm fine. Well, to be fair, I actually haven't read I didn't read all of Motor Girl. I did not read all of Echo. You didn't read all of Motor Girl? It. It was only ten issues. No, I keep forgetting it was there. Mm. Since then, what happened was uh, when the Strangers in Paradise started up and then when this started up, I just subscribed to it. So yeah. it got delivered to me and I didn't have to think about it because if right. I had to think about it, I didn't do it. Right. I also didn't, didn't, didn't love Motor Girl from the start. Like I thought it looked really good, but I was having a hard time getting to it. I think it came together in the end. So what did you think of five years? I really didn't know what it was going to be, but I, I thought it was interesting that there was so much kachu in it because it felt like, you know, like at the end of the last thing, she's like, all right, I'm out, I'm done. And I thought, OK, they're going to move on with these other people. And then at the same time, you know, she's describing, I think better than they did in the last series, what this threat is, the Phi bomb and how they're going to build it. And in five years, it's going to be done and it's just going to destroy everything, which, which, which is <laughs> I had a bit of a 
freak out reading this book. And I realize it's yep. not a real thing, but you know, the world is a bit on fire at the moment. So I was like, I, I don't need this kind of stress right now, Terry Moore. I'll tell you something. Is this more? This is a better uh, plot line than most of what's going on in superhero comics right now. Well, it, it feels more real like because it's just of the threat. Yeah. Yes. The threat feels more urgent. If you hadn't read Strangers in Paradise 25 and didn't hear us talk about it and didn't read five years, basically at the end of that series, it was discovered that, that there was a bomb that was being researched and it was going to be built in five years' time. And once it was tested, it was going to destroy the world. And here they explain how that, how that was going to happen. Yeah, an ancient formula was discovered that would make this possible. And, and humanity can't stop itself. Yeah, and so uh, people who have cosmic knowledge of things told them this was going to happen and now they're all freaking out and so here we have a bunch of characters who have that knowledge sort of contemplating and there's a really sort of disturbing opening scene with Kachu you yes. know, imagining what the bomb will be like while she's dreaming and that's really terrible and then uh, Motor Girl with the short hair is contemplating life. My main problem and I don't, it's not a problem necessarily for me is that he needs to do a better job of identifying everyone just for people who aren't necessarily you know, yeah, I haven't read all the books. I figure at this point he's just like, if you're in, you're in. We're going. I'm sure. not gonna just, you know. I re- I, I was gonna again, say, not my problem, but I think it could be. Yeah, all no. Problems. I bought long time ago. I bought issue number forty nine of Preacher because mm-hmm. I was like, I heard this was good. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck was this? I had no idea. Sure, it took me like another three years to read it because I was like, I read it, I didn't get it at all. That was terrible, which is so dumb right. in retrospect. So, you know. It is what it is, but he is starting over with a new number one. You know, that's how he's doing it. But he has to know, you know, he's not going to bring in new readers like this. Right. I don't like this cover. Yeah, I mean, it shows everyone. The only, you know, there's four. Not, there's four blonde characters who look very similar. I can always tell the difference between Tambi and Kachu. The other two, not so much. But I just like in terms of design, I was like, yeah. Oh. The little girls are cute. Yeah, there's a scene with them there the, that's really the funny. The cute girl and the Francine girl. I mean, oh, in, in the in the cool. book itself, there's a scene with the two right. daughters. They're making fun of Kachu out the window, and they're yeah. like kind of, they're really funny. Yeah, I'm glad this is still going. We we, we were discussing in the last series. Yeah. We didn't know if it was going to continue or not. Obviously, it was. You couldn't drop the bomb like literally, like yeah. that at the end of the last series and not follow up on that. So here we are. The world is about to end in five years. So we'll see how. We'll see how cynical Terry Moore feels right now by the time this series is over. Ugh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Meet the Scrolls number four. I think uh, in the last issue, uh, I complained a little bit about what we were just talking about, is not being able to tell all the characters apart. Mm-hmm. They pulled it together in this issue. I think there's one left after this. And I thought this one was pretty good. Basically, things start moving forward. We spent, uh, you know, I'd say two and a half of the last three issues just sort of meeting the scrolls, as it were. And this one, I sort of figured out who everybody was, and we got information, and then things started moving. And I thought it was, uh, I, I thought it was good, and it was a good cliffhanger at the end. And and I sort of know where I stand in general, so I enjoyed it. And I, you know, the art's great, the Nico Hendershon. This is a six-part story. I assume it's like a miniseries. I think I think five. Hmm. I don't know. It says to be continued, not to be concluded. No, yeah, issue five, the conclusion. So hmm. um, I think one more, which is the right amount. Gogor, number one. Gagor, I think it says. Gagor, yeah, I was going to say. They give us a pronunciation, which I thought was helpful. Did you check this out? I did. Ken Garing, who, mm-hmm. like Terry Moore, does the entire book. Literally. And unlike Terry Moore, also colors it. So this, this is a yep. crazy thing. So longtime listeners will know that for, was it three years, graphically owned iFanboy? Yeah. 
about three years, we were owned by a company called Graphically, oh, which actually, is four years. More, yeah, five I mean, years. Like, in total, it was four years. They gave it back to us after three. So for three years, Graphically owned iFanboy. It was a digital comics company. And and in that time, when Graphically was trying to be a publisher, uh, the only success story in the submit your comic for public publishing and deal was Ken Garing. He submitted Planetoid. The only. And that got picked up by Image. It was a terrific book. The only yeah. One of the only terrific books we had submitted to us of the thousands we had submitted to us. And he was a real success story. He, he got picked up by Image. They published Planetoid. They published the sequel, Planetoid Praxis. And now here's his third series, Gagor, uh, which mm-hmm. is sort of a fantasy story, which is sort of, I was thinking of last week's show when you were talking to Ryan about jumping yep. into a fantasy world and having to learn the rules and the stakes and the, the, the lingo and the, there was, a bit, there was a bit of that in here. There was, but again, like I think in the what was the other one we were talking about a couple of weeks ago with the big giant in the ground. Right. That I did find myself like it was clear enough. Yes. I, I didn't feel like it was. Sometimes there's a bit of cleverness to them, and mm-hmm. this one, I I don't know. I was I was hanging with it. I was like, all right, I'm kind of interested. They're on bees. Let's do the thing. You know, I, I wasn't. I I know that I complained about it, but sometimes it works for you a little bit. Now I'm not saying it was my favorite thing in the world. But I got no, your, your, your complaint was that there's like a thousand of these books, which is yeah, true. Yeah, but I got to the end and I wasn't annoyed and I want to see what was going to happen next. Not my favorite book ever, but I liked it. His, he's a really strong artist. Yeah. He's a really strong storyteller. Yes. I like his bright colors. I thought the tone was a bit in the YA realm. There was a little – some of the dialogue not was, a bad move. No, no, not at all. It's just – this felt to me a bit not – it's, it, it sounds like it's a it's a pejorative to say for younger readers, but it's not. But it, this felt like a bit like a younger reader. Like it, there was a little more, little more of the characters sort of speaking out loud about things they were thinking. Or well, I mean, I'd almost put it in that it wasn't trying to be cool. Yes. Like so much, I, maybe and maybe that's the line. Like so much we read is trying so hard to be cool, mm-hmm. and this wasn't. This was just like here's the story. This is what we're doing here. I think a lot of Scotty Young's more recent work has that same flavor like he's not trying to be cool and it's, it's a huge growth market in comics but the uh i think i think i'm trying to i'm scrolling through I, I think this is appropriate for younger readers right i don't remember anything like so far there wasn't yeah. any language or anything so i think this is a book you could probably give a younger reader i like the design of whoever that little dude is that he runs into and meets and the character like, design is really strong the the yeah. obviously they're they're writing these animals are they like tiny people is that what the whole thing is i don't know the world is interesting. It's this floating circle of islands in the sky. Yeah. Why is that? Who knows? But I found it really interesting, intriguing, and I like the art a lot. He's obviously a good artist, so I'm looking forward to more. Go, Gagor. The Green Lantern number seven. I wanted to bring this up because uh, we have lo- just loved every issue of this so far, and I hate the lettering in these issues. <laughs> like, it's that text that's not comic book stuff. Right on the art, and whenever I read one like this, I, I like I, I liked basically the story, but I really didn't like the way that the story was. You mean told. Uh, comic book lettering legend Tom Marzkowski, who used to letter Spawn and all those books? Yep, I like the lettering, lettering that he did. Yeah, he's a legend, but I find it difficult to read. It's it feels like it's I don't know. It's like chunks of a of a of a novel they tried to sort of squeeze in there. This harkened back to that prose issue of Batman he did, Grant Morrison, yep. that people yes, hated, that was, but, but yeah. I picked this pick of the week. So this was a story of a little world inside Hal's ring, right? Mm-hmm. 
I got that I right? I think so. Yeah. These are people and a civilization that live inside the power ring, which, again, is super silver agey. And yeah. I think the tonal difference between this and the stuff that Scott Snyder and other people are doing with Justice League is that, you, as you said, this is silly. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think you nailed it. This is a silly concept being taken seriously, but still knows it's silly. Yeah. And that's really the, that's the fine line that Morrison walks better than anybody. Yeah. And I mean, the only thing is, like, it was overwrought. It was like, you know, it was. And, and also, like, I feel like we were telling a story before, and now I don't remember what that story was. This was like a diversion. And, and Liam Sharp designed a beautiful comic book. Well, I think like, that story ended, didn't it, with the Black Dark Stars? He he defeated them, and that's why he got did he? he he got zapped out. I think so. All right. Well, I don't remember. It just, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it just felt like an aside when I didn't want an aside. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep moving forward, and I always say that. I that's always my, you know, unless that sort of aside is really, really, really good. But this, I was like, well, what's the point of this? Why do we? I don't want to. I just wanted to read a comic book, I think, and I didn't want to read the the novel bits. <laughs> but it wasn't like it was. You know, it was fine. It's just not my taste at all. Those books we were going to talk about. It was a light week. It was a light week. Yes, it was. We didn't, not our full contingent of books. So let's talk about the patron pick over at patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where every single patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, voting was light. I think that was a reflection of the level of excitement in the week in general. Yes. But the winner, the clear winner, the winner from wire to wire winner was deceased, number one, or deceased. Deceased. It was clever. I was like, oh, yeah. that actually works. Deceased. DC East, number one. A miniseries, six issues, written by Tom Taylor. This issue had art by Trevor Harrison, Stefano Guadiano, and James Heron. Three really talented artists. Tom Taylor is someone who lives on the fringes. He currently writes the other Spider-Man book that no one talks about. Mm-hmm. He, for years, did an Injustice book for DC, which was sort of based on the video game, but sort of created its own little world in the corner that was... An Elseworlds in name only. This is also sort of an Elseworlds book, kind of. Uh, it sort of exists in a DC universe that doesn't exactly match up with the one we're reading in other books. Mm-hmm. So I think he sort of lives and makes his living out in the fringes, creating his own little worlds. Yeah, but he like, and he's but he's a good writer. He's a like, really I, good writer. I think I've I've always enjoyed everything he's written. He he did he does get to play. He did. Didn't you write Earth Two after James Robinson left? I think he did. Maybe that was also eight years ago. The thing being, I think he's a good writer. But I don't necessarily find myself attracted to the things that he's writing, mm. if that makes it. Because like this is called deceased, and I'm like, okay, it's like a bunch of and and basically, just, you know, at the end, it's it's a zombie book. I mean, that's what it is. It, it, although it was interesting, cause it's not straight up zombie in that it's more of well, I mean, it is obviously you're right. It but. is like at the end, I basically like like there's a problem like Dark Side wants the anti life equation. He gets it, but it gets tweaked and it turns into like it gets into our technology and everybody who looks at their phone or screen or whatever turns into a zombie. It's a techno organic zombie virus that is basically the anti life equation that has yeah. been mutated. So it's the anti life equation gets out, and it's a metaphor for people stuck on their phones and social media and. They all, everyone on the on a phone goes goes nuts. And interestingly, everybody, almost everybody's wearing their classic DC costume except for the Flash. <laughs> like the one guy whose costume needs to go back more than anyone. From behind, it's the classic costume. Right, it's just the weird fucking lines. But everyone else, Superman's got his classic boots, and the, the, there's no cuffs cuffs on his suit. And uh-huh. Black Canary's where it got her fishnet leggings, which she hasn't worn in New Fifty Two, and. It's, it's very much classic DC, except for the one character who really needs to go back to it. Anyway, the point is, this virus 
escapes through the DC universe, through technology, and people get caught up in it. I liked it. I actually liked it. I did. I mean, I, I when I saw James Heron's name, I was I was super excited right away. And, mm-hmm. and James Heron drawing an apocalypse book could be the greatest thing that ever happened. You know, it's like a, a mix of there's Mike Mignola in there. So you were you were a James Heron guy in Hellboy, right? That's what he was doing. He did BBRD for a while. Right, that's what I meant. Uh, and then he was doing his own thing um, with John Arcudi. Uh, so is, is he the one at the end of the issue? No, he's the one in the middle. He's the the part with Cyborg and the more cartoony one. Yep, I like that a lot. Yep. Oh, it's 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 real good, and I like that scene. I liked the the way that uh, Cyborg played it. Cyborg's one of those characters who doesn't have a personality so much because right. anytime somebody writes him, they just write him however they want to. Um, so this was kind of fun. He felt like a hero. I try to read him in Teen Titans Go voice, but it doesn't work in this. Should I be reading into things that the character that gets the most fucked up is Nightwing? Am I reading I too hard into it? I took it like a joke of like he would be the one guy who would always be looking at his phone. Except in, his, in the book, we've established he's basically a Luddite. He's a flip phone, like in his, in his solo series. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. I would think that he would be on Instagram. <laughs> but I, you maybe you're right. And, and I actually like that. That's a better character, but I didn't know you'd, that. It would, actually, it would be Tim Drake, if we're honest, because he's, okay. you know, he's the computer. Tim, Dr- Tim Drake wouldn't be on like social media. He would be doing real things with computers because right. he's a technologist. Either way, the Nightwing is all fucked up at the end of this issue. And I was like, of course it was yeah. Nightwing. Of course it is. Yeah. Well, also, Tim Drake shows it. Yeah. I mean, this is a fun, uh, totally out of continuity. You can slap a Mental Elseworlds tag on the front. Yeah. Story of the the, the anti-life equation getting out into DCU, but it causes zombies instead of whatever. It's, it's DC zombies yeah. by way of apocalypse. I really liked it. I had a fun time reading it. I yeah, I did. I had was a really strong. Time. Let's do ratings on it. Ratings. Yeah. Ratings. Five. Ratings. I'm going to give it a 3.75. I was going to say exactly the same thing, 3.75. Are you sticking with this miniseries? I might. I might. I probably will, but it's very possible that I will see the title and not register it. I think that's more accurate. More likely, yeah. you know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just knowing you, that's all. Yeah, no, that's that's totally my thing. I, I just, I go, well, that's not that. It, it, I wouldn't remember it. But but if, if there's more James Heron, I'm in. Like, if, if that's it. I'll keep you apprised. Please do. Let's take a quick break to talk about Patreon. As, as you just said, at patreon.com slash ifanboy, that's where you can go and vote to get a book into the rundown. We thank everyone who does vote. It's a lot of fun to watch the results come in. I, I keep a little live window ticker that shows every new vote that comes in. It's fun to see. Um, but over at patreon.com, so you can help support the show. It's one of the best ways you can help support the show. We've talked about it a lot. Our next stretch goal is adding a non-comics media podcast every month where, t- where Josh and I and other guests will talk about things uh, that we, t- we watched or saw or listened to when we probably would have talked about Game of Thrones this month if we had done mm-hmm. it. In addition to that, we'll also upload all the missing video shows and iFanboy minis to our YouTube channel and re-embed them on the website. Those are there's like there's at least a couple years of missing shows from when we were on Revision 3 that are, that are out not, not in the world anymore that we can re-upload for you. If you want to get to the next stretch goal, Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Also, iFanboy.threadless.com. That's where you can buy our t-shirts. iFanboy logo, Herm, Pickle Podcast, ratings. If one is Electro, GDAT. Ratings. And, of course, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. And an update, we have zeroed in on a next design. We just are debating the look of it. But we have, we have zeroed in on it. There's a couple of designs we have in the hopper, but we have zeroed in on the next one, which we hope to get out within the next month. But we'll see how that goes. Fanboy.com slash support. That's where you can help that directly via PayPal. If you just want to shoot a donation over and not be a patron or buy a t-shirt, totally fine. 
Also, fanway.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to buy all the books below the books we talk about the show, as well as a general link to Amazon shopping. We thank everyone who does all those things to help iFanboy stay alive. In addition to voting on the patron pick, if you're a patron, you can also, at the $5 or higher level, get your own superpower live on the show, which is very fun for us. And uh, let's do it. Let's thank some patrons. Well, let's, let, let us thank patrons. Uh, the first one up here is, is Taylor. Not Tom Taylor, as far as I know, but just says Taylor. Or Coach Taylor. Maybe, maybe it's the the guitar brand. I don't know. Could be Coach Taylor. God, I hope it's if it's Coach Taylor. I'm going to need to change the power because I think we know what that is. <laughs> I also don't and, want it to be Coach Taylor. No, uh, Taylor can always find free and convenient parking. You know what? Just let's mm. go up the block a little bit. There's there's spaces there. If you park here, it's going to be twenty twenty five dollars for the night, and that really is a problem. Does Taylor know this is? happening or do they does taylor just assume that parking is easy oh that's a good question you mean like ron right does taylor is taylor aware of taylor's gift or is taylor just doesn't understand why people complain about parking i think over time he's come to be aware first he was just like i don't know i'm fine but he's come to be aware that he is special he is he he he, he has a power out of this world mm-hmm. you know if taylor only ever lived in small towns somewhere he'd never know right but you know when he moved to the big city like, if he moved to Manhattan, he would save thousands and thousands of dollars a year. Sure. Or if Taylor lived inside a TV show where you just pull up to where you're, you're going, there's a spot outside. Yep. Which, like, every time that happens like to Ron. me, I feel like I'm in a TV show. I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to this store, and there's a spot right outside the store. I, I have a – there's a place that I like to go to concerts in Cambridge, and Cambridge is notoriously difficult to park in. But I've had this amazing run of luck there. Now that you and said it I, out loud, you're fucked. Well, I bought the truck. So <laughs> now you're out. Of, now you're out of luck. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't even chance it. The miracle of two spots. That's you need now. No, it fits, but you really got to be. I got the backup camera, so I can park it. But you know, Ryan Alcock's power is that he can mentally untrip any breaker. Mentally untrip any breaker. Right. So so if you break it, then he doesn't have to get up. Yeah, he doesn't have to go down to the basement or wherever the fuse box is or press the little button on the on the outlet. He just has to – he just trips it back. Do you, do you have an experience – do you have experience with this recently? Is this a thing that happens to you? <laughs> I, have a, I have a very sensitive outlet in my kitchen. Okay. I have, uh, I have a plug here where we, we have a microwave, a toaster, and an air conditioner. And if all those things are on at the same are time – Are you trying to burn are, your house down? Well, you know, it's an older house. You gotta, you gotta use what you can. I, it's fine if you use any of them separately, but if all three are on, sure, it's a problem. It's not one outlet. It's actually a room. Well, he can just trip it back. Yeah, from the couch. That's nice. I have an outlet in the kitchen where, if I pl- plug the toaster in four out of five times, it'll trip. Uh huh. And so I have to plug it in like I'm playing Operation. One of those GCFE plugs, you mean? Yeah, it's just like very slow and. And and delicate and it'll go in. But if I if I bump it or anything, it'll trip the breaker and I have to. Is it a high yield toaster? Like is it a fancy toaster? It's or is it just... No, because it's just any, basically anything. It's just where the toaster is. But if anything I plug okay. in there, it will trip the breaker. It's a fucking interesting. Annoying. You could probably just get that. I mean, you rent, so it yeah. Matter. I don't really care. I just have to do it a couple, five or six times. And I need Ryan to come over and do it for me. I'm going to pretend that craft and comedians is the name of a person. And I'm going to treat them like you would treat a corporation, which is to say a human person. And what craft and comedians, or perhaps all the people involved with them, uh, it's, a, it's a human Shazam. Not, not the superhero. The application. Oh. What's this song? Oh, it's this. 
performed by, written by, 1973. Here's, here's the label. Here's the lyrics. Yep. <laughs> what's the what's that what's that line? Oh, that's wrapped up like a deuce and other roamer in the night. Oh, I don't think I got those words right. Oh, this is okay. I did some digging. This is our longtime listener Daniel Emmons. Oh, okay. Is that a is that a is that a podcast he does? Yes. Okay. It's a com- comedy and beer podcast. Oh, I see crap and comedy. That yeah, I can I can I can see that. That's good. So Daniel's that's Daniel's power. Daniel always knows the song and everything about the song. Okay. Instantly. You know, like when you're in a re- when you're in a store and I use Shazam a lot because I'm like well, I just used it a couple like, times last week. Yeah, but you like this? It's too low and the speaker's too far away and there's too many other things going. On, you you can't get yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Wait, what was that song? And then it's just gone. You'll never know the answer. Then you right. forget. It doesn't matter. But uh, you don't need that if you've got Dan around. So. Second Taylor. Wow. And I don't believe this is a type. This is what the spreadsheet says. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll just assume that. The two Taylors can pick which one they feel is more appropriate for them. (laughs) There's a second Taylor spelled the same who joined within four people of each other. Could be. It's entirely possible. If it's a mistake, if it's a duplicate in the spreadsheet, then Taylor gets two powers. Second Taylor can, when they are in a good mood, uh, they emanate a rainbow into the sky from what part of the (laughs) from their head (laughs) couldn't even get it out so from from taylor's head emerges a rainbow and it shoots out in the sky and everyone's like oh rainbow that's very that's very new agey and 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 joyous of you it's when when, only when they're when they're happy though so you know the problem for taylor is everyone knows when taylor's in a bad mood or a good mood Oh, I see. Yeah. It, it's involuntary. It's a, cur- it's a curse. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like the book Pearl. Yeah, it's not like Taylor turns the, the rainbow on. It just, it just comes out. So, you know, if Taylor's in the movies and really digging the movie, it sort of ruins it for everybody because a giant rainbow appears in the... Right, because, yeah, projection is definitely yeah, going to have yeah, a All that light that. noise. <laughs> I wonder if he liked that Game of Thrones episode or not. <laughs> he ruined it for everybody. <laughs> we don't need more light in here. I'm trying to make it Listen, darker, Taylor. Somebody ruined Game of Thrones for everybody somehow. Although I feel like the frustration of trying to watch that wouldn't have put him in a good mood. That's a good point. So therefore, he would have enjoyed it. He got himself into a time loop. That's patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can go <laughs> jo- sign up for, for the $5 or higher level. You can get your own power on the show. Taylor, Ryan, Car- Daniel, and Taylor got their powers this week. Thanks to those people. Let's do an email from Miroslav L. from Croatia. One of our regular emailers says, I love listening to podcasts about media, TV, comics, movies, books, etc. My problem is that you guys spoiled me, and it's pretty hard for me to find a podcast that is on the same level as ifanboy. So I re-listened to all the all media roundup and anniversary shows a little for the last couple of weeks. During the all-media roundup episodes, you guys talk about books that you've read throughout the year that most times are huge at 500-plus pages. For example, during the 2015 episode, Josh mentioned he read all the Game of Thrones books within three months. Besides having a busy life, consuming all their media, which is time-consuming, especially TV nowadays, where do you find the time to read all these books? I mean, I feel like that presents a false narrative of me. Because <laughs> uh, I don't. And I've, I've, I used to have a rule mm-hmm. that if I started a book, I'd finish it. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty good with that. There's only two books 
up to a certain point that I did not finish. One was Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and the mm. other was Herbert Asprey's Gangs of New York. I couldn't finish it. I oh, tried. Really, I liked Gangs of New York. Uh, I've, I think there's some three books I've never I've, in my life, I, I, in my adult life, that I remember not finishing. Right. One was War and Peace. Uh huh. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do that. I, I, I tried to read it on the, on the subway home every day. And I would just fall asleep. So then, after my kid was born, I, with, with, with Gang, of Thron- Gang, Gang of Thrones, Gang of Thrones, Gangs of New York's book, like after a while reading the legends as opposed to the history, like I was like, okay, I get it. Well, like, the game it of, didn't. The, you, you, now you ruined it for me. Gangs of New York book is not like a narrative. It's just. It's I, I, more, know, I know. That's what's tough about it. It's like a history book. Yeah. So it wasn't that it's I didn't textbook. enjoy it. It's just that I'd had enough. Yeah, it's not a narrative. Anyway, that. regardless, that was before my kid was born. And now I have dozens of half-read books all around the house. And the ones that are being read are very slow. But what happens is that every once in a while, I will glom onto something and I become insatiable. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what happened with the Game of Thrones book. Like, I, you know, I was just – I was reading them on my iPad or whatever. And I was just flying through them because they, they're very fast reads for one thing. I know, like, 500 pages is 500 pages, but it's not. Yeah, not all pages are the same. Yeah, and so like I, I got through all that stuff in a short amount of time. It was basically like it was addiction. I just I just you know, then a couple of years ago I started reading, still am reading like musician books, mm-hmm. you know, either stories about eras or, or or autobiographies or biographies or whatever. And you know like I will tear through those once I get hooked on a thing, I can't stop, and I will read it in any spare moment I have. Right. Uh, other than that, though, I mean like really in in real life, I kind of only get to read on. Tuesdays, <laughs> like I'm not kidding. Like, like uh, Tuesdays is book Thursdays, reading days. It's true. Like Wednesdays and Thursdays are for the girlfriends. Are comics right? Right. Fridays is Friday and Saturday. One of those is usually if it's an edit night or something I got to do, so I don't have time for it. You know, Sunday night I'm tired. You know, but like, like I look forward to Tuesdays because I'm like I have nothing I have to read right now, so I'm going for it. Yeah, I mean um, that's some. I mean that's same for me. I it, at night before bed I'll usually read. A prose book, except for Wednesdays and Thursday nights. Then, then that's for. Right. I try not to have comics to read at night, but really? um, well, you're lucky. I have, yeah, I have a different lifestyle than you do, but uh, yes. you know that's usually what happens. I usually end up reading comics Wednesday, Thursday night before bed, and then so that means that I skip a couple of days from the book. And it, I don't read it as much as I used to, prose wise, but I try to because I really like. You still reading. read a lot. I mean, I used to, you know, in the old days when I worked out of the house and like. Every day, I would go to lunch by myself, and I would read for an hour while I ate. I used right. to do it constantly. There was the subway. I would read. Yeah. You know, Other things have come in. And the other thing, I will do audiobooks sometimes. I do really, really huge historical audiobooks on my bike. And if I get really into one, I will listen to it every chance I get. So I'll start to wash the dishes, and I'm like, I'll just keep listening to this book for a little while. And I will tear through. You know, I only get books that are 25, 30, 40 hours. So yeah, we're, we're just waiting for the next Neil Stevenson book that comes out in a couple of months. And that will be the next sort of uh... – yeah giant obsession book that happens the real reason i got through the last one because i went on a vacation right and we just read the entire time and and that's 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 aberrant behavior on my part yeah so i mean you you sort of fit it in where you can if it's important to you and i just i really like to read prose books i think it's important to read prose books as well as comics i have a i have a stack of two read prose books that is three times the size of my comic stack to read oh yeah what are you reading right now i am reading a book called early riser it's a fiction book from the guy who wrote The Air Affair, and I can't think of his name at this very moment. I brought it on my trip and didn't end up hardly reading it <laughs> because I was so tired in there every night. Uh, Jasper Ford, I think. Jasper Ford, yeah. He's an English writer. Yeah. 
he writes these sort of wacky uh, alternate world books. They're sci-fi. And um, I'd, I'd gone on a string of nonfiction books, so I wanted to read some fiction books. And uh, I've been, Yeah, I do mostly nonfiction now. And then, uh, it took me two years to finish the complete Elmore Leonard Western stories book, which was a, com- uh, a giant, like, 500-page collection of all of his Western shorts he wrote for magazines for, like, 30, 40 years. Jeez. But there's, like, hardly any dialogue in them, so it was just blocks of text. And so I couldn't – I would read, like, two or three stories, and then I'd put it down for a month and read another book, and then I'd come back to it. And So it literally took me two years to finish it. You know my my great unfinished book – our show's running long, and we're just happy to talk about books right now. My great unfinished book right now, I can actually – can literally see it on the shelf through the other room. I can see the red spine – is the Ron Chernow George Washington book? Oh, I have that on my shelf. I've had it for like ten years. I think you like gave it years. to me because yeah. you, you bought it. You bought two of them. I yeah, I have it on my shelf for ten years now. Yeah, I I've read half of it and I enjoyed it, but it's it's a lot, and I think I'm about halfway through it. I remember talking to Alex Alex Robinson because he always reads the same kind of history books that I do, and and I was like, well, I'm still working on it, and then I'd been like three or four years into it at that point, and he's like. No, you just haven't finished it. And I was like, no, I'm not admitting that. I will finish this book someday because <laughs> it's fascinating. It really is. I just haven't, you know. Yeah, no, those are great. It's just it's you got to really have the time because you lose the thread of of details and things with those kind of books, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. If I had nothing to do, I have a lot of books I would just love to sit down and just read. Yes, totally. But unfortunately, that's something. Let's knock out Josh's email. Okay, I think he deserves that after all that. Josh W. from Massachusetts said, I know that you guys are super busy and working hard. We've really put together a narrative, haven't we? <laughs> I was curious if there will ever be any more booksplodes on the Starman omnibuses, boo. I really love the first two. Also, JSA The Golden Age one would be super cool. These are all James Robinson books. Again, totally understand if it can't happen. Thank you for years of entertainment, getting me through hours of work, and my associates and bachelor's degrees. Hey, good job with your higher education there, mm-hmm. by the way. No. I thought of this the other day. Real? Oh. <laughs> I just, I mean, we did, we did the first two, our original plan, and this was like 10 years ago. Yes. We did the first two volumes of Starman. Our plan was to do all six volumes. And what happened was we did the first one. We had a lot of fun. We did the second one, and we found it much harder because all the general discussion happened in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And we were like... At that point, all you can really talk about is sort of plot summary because the, the mechanics were the same, the art uh-huh. stuff was the same. And so we were like, I don't know, if we can do six episodes of this because what are we going to talk about by the time we get to the six? You know, so I think we just sort of let those peter out. I'm not 100% against it. I'm just saying at the time, we realized how difficult it was going to be to do all six volumes because at- it would be tough. As I was reading the email, I thought, we should just do this. There's only two left. And then you said six. And I looked to my right and I went, oh, right, there's six of them. Damn it. Yeah. I mean, what if we just did the last one? <laughs> we could. I mean, I, it, it's not impossible. I'll, no, I'll but just, I wouldn't hold your breath right now, Josh. We also have like six in the hamper. That's not right. <laughs> the hamper? The hopper. The hopper. <laughs> That's I like right. how you made up vernacular. I did. This is a good time to, uh, to tease our next book's blood, actually, then. Yeah, let's do that. I, I just completely blanked. Oh, I know it is. Uh, yeah. We're going to do uh, Daredevil Born Again. Yes. Daredevil Born Again is going to be this month's books blog. Frank Miller and David Mazzuchelli. Yeah. Which I have never read, which is the saddest thing. But I have noticed uh, – there were folks talking about it recently. I think um, Andy Parks had a page, basically some inker 
my favorite thing on Twitter. I, I said this, but like my favorite thing is is pro comic book artists talking about comic book art. I, I love it. And I love the way that they see it as opposed to how I see it necessarily. But they were talking about whether um, Mazzucchelli used a, a brush or a pen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andy Parks, uh, inker, uh, frequently works with uh, Phil Hester, put a page up that he owns and was like showing different parts of it and analyzing it and going through it. And I was like, I need to read that. This is just stupid. I, I, I I've read, read it, but a long time ago. And I only own it until recently. I, had, I bought it for the bookstore. I only own it in um, ours edition format, the Dark Horse book. Right. I almost was like, can I just read that one? Because it has all the because the original pages have the dialogue balloons on them. Sure. And I was like, I thought for a second I would use that for the show, but I realized it wouldn't have the colors and it would probably be, you know be a disservice. So yeah, I picked. So I, I like I just bought the trade out of the yeah. blue. I cannot tell you the last time I did that because my to read stack is stupid. So that's what's coming this month, and we have. I'm looking at my iPad. We've downloaded a couple. There's, I've got like four that we've talked about doing. So it, we might be done for the year, <laughs> but things change all the time with the book explodes. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's where you can write in like Josh and Miroslav. Get your email on the show. Thanks to everybody who does. And while I was gone, we had the month from hell from in terms of special edition shows. So all these shows are out now behind this one. Way back, we got the Shazam show. We talked about the Shazam film. Way back, Josh talked about Hellboy all alone. And I'm sorry about that, Josh. That movie seemed come and go. I'm more sorry about having to see the movie. I feel bad. My plan was to see it, but it didn't work out. And now I realize I, 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 that was in my favor. Yeah. Maybe, yes, it's, it maybe it's time to stop making Hellboy movies. I mean, unless you're going to do something new with it. Justice League vs. the Fatal Five was the animation brain trust show that came out a couple weeks ago. Obviously, last week was Avengers Endgame when Josh and Ryan talked about it. And if you're a... Um, oh, I just got the alert on my phone, Josh, that my Daredevil Born Again trade was just delivered. Well, there you go. If you are a patron and you haven't been to this week's patron hangout, uh, Josh and Ron and I did 45 minutes on Avengers Endgame on that show. So if you want more Avengers Endgame talk, go check out on the patron page. You can find a link to this week's with this month's hangout, which we did this week. We did 15 minutes on Game of Thrones and 45 minutes on Avengers. Yep. So you can check that out. Also, just this week, Josh did release his talks below just a few days late, but that's okay. Uh, he interviewed Jordan Boyd, the colorist, who does a lot of work with Gabriel Hardman and a lot of uh, books you've read. Um, talking g- 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 the perspective of a colorist, which is I yeah, like. And, I like that you're doing that. Yeah, and and um, yeah, the last time I did with uh, Joe Caramagna talking about lettering, but also just how the career comes to that. Uh, but there were definitely things that, as I was talking to him, yeah, I was I learned stuff. I learned stuff about comic book coloring and art that I'd never heard before that uh, I'd never thought about. It was a different way to approach things, and I really appreciated that, uh, talking to Jordan about it. I've known Jordan uh, for a long time, so I, I knew him when he was still aspiring. Um, and, and and over the years, I've seen him, you know, his name get on bigger and bigger things, including, like as Connor just said, the Eisner-nominated Green uh, Green Lantern Earth One. Yep. Um, you know, he's a great colorist, uh, you know, and I, I, he's always like – he's like naturally a good colorist. He was just good at it from the start. And That's he's good not annoying. Us. It really like I was trying to be like, so did you have to learn? He's like, no, I could kind of do it. Like, and it's well, it's true. Basically, the story is, and I say this is, is that way back ten years ago or so, when I was really making a concerted effort to get comics made, I had met a bunch of people who you know were interested in maybe working with me, and vice versa. And colorists, there's a lar- there's a learning curve. Some people yeah, have it, some sure. people don't. Just just like artists or whatever. And he sent me some samples out of the blue, and I was like, oh, it was professional level, really good, just on the sample rate from the get go. And everything like we've done, a, we did a few projects together that none of them went. But you know, like he, it's good; they're great. He's he's a great colorist. He always has been. Anyway, so it's a good show. I really dug that. Bad coloring, like bad lettering, really yeah, can mess that, up a book. 
And it's also the it's the number one thing if somebody sends sends us their you know their indie book or their first book or whatever the lettering and the coloring are always the giveaways that like you're not ready for prime time yeah every time it was it's, it's instant you can just oh no that's not that's not it so check out Josh's discussion with Jordan on Talksplode right behind this show and then as we said coming up this month sometime will be Booksplode Daredevil Born Again and that'll be later in the month not not sure when but it'll be later in the month there you go towards the end of the month. I lost track of where you were in this. Take my spot in the outro. Okay, thank you. So if you like all that stuff, you want to check out those shows we talked about, they're all there at ifanboy.com. And uh, you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy, following at ifanboy on Twitter. And of course, there's now at ifanboycomics on Instagram. We, we try to do the best of the week in panels there. Uh, every week in addition to just other stuff that we, we find we want to we want to put up there. You can follow us individually at J.F. Lanningon on Twitter and Instagram and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. And if you like the show, write us a review, please. That would be very helpful. Or even just leave a star rating. That really helps people find podcasts. It's one of the best things you can do to help improve us in the algorithm, our findability, also any podcast you listen to. The easiest thing you can do for a show is just go to this iTunes, click on the star rating. It will definitely help them out. The more ratings, the better for any show. And every show you listen to does appreciate that. Even better than that is tell your friends. Word of mouth is a great way to help spread iFanboy's love all over the world. Love or, or can, cantankerousness. I don't know. One of those two. That's how. Love or cantankerousness. You can help us out. Title. Yeah. Star ratings, reviews, re- uh, recommendations. We do appreciate everyone does that. We thank you very much. I'm back. That was fun. I'm, I'm so happy. Would you like to take two weeks <laughs> off now? I mean, from my life like you did, but, but other. <laughs> you know, it's funny is that Friday last week did the show, and I took a day off from work. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll just take the day off. And in my mind, I thought, well, I'll do the shows with Ryan because we did them both in a way, and I'll edit them, and I'll have them all done. And it was not the way it worked out at all. Like, I just was doing <laughs> crap around the house all day. I podcasted for three hours. I managed to edit one of them. I still had to do the one that night. I was like, geez, I can't. I always plan to do five things, and I can only fit two. That's, that's, that's how it works. That's life. The Josh Flanagan story. All right. Yep. Until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. I'm